This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. have a very special guest with us today, Adam Johansson. He's a group fitness instructor with the Equinox. He also got the title of Group Fitness Instructor of the Year in 2018. He also has a long career in skincare and makeup. We are so fortunate to have Adam here today. Welcome, Adam. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So, Adam, for those of you who know Adam, you're going to know what artist he's going to pick today. <laughs> so we start off the podcast with the big reveal of what is the song that best resonates with the story that you're going to tell us and who is the artist. So can we get a little drum roll <laughs> as we get the big reveal here? All right, Adam, what song did you choose to resonate with the story that you're going to tell us today? It is If I Could Turn Back Time, and the artist is the one and the only Cher. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. And if you guys could see us right now, I am looking at Adam, and he has figured out the virtual backgrounds on Zoom. And I am looking not only at Adam, but a giant head of Cher looking beautiful as ever. All right. So I like to take this time, if you'd like to pause and listen to the song, feel free to do that right now. Otherwise, we're going to head right into Adam's story. Adam, tell us the story that resonates with the song. So I, I chose Turn Back Time because, A, I love it. I remember when it came out, it was 1989, and I was um, young-ish, <laughs> and we were at a, our beach house in Newport Beach uh, for the summer like we always did. And the song launched that summer, and I fell in love with it. It was huge. And then if, for those who don't know, MTV could only show it past a certain time because what she was wearing at the time was deemed so risque and so inappropriate. By today's you know, standard, it's nothing. But I just, every time it would come on, we would run to the TV, and we would watch it. And besides it being an incredible song, I love the message of it about if we could turn back time, what would we do? If we could turn back time, would it help? Would it not help? What could we learn from it? And it just been kind of with me for, I don't know, what, 30, 35 years now, 40 years, almost 40 years. Oh my God. That can't be a crazy, right? <laughs> What, is it 1989, like 12 years ago? I know, I know. <laughs> so, Adam, share with us the story that made you think of this song. So, for me, it was 
kind of all, I relate many things to share. And I know I, if I go on off a little tangent, Patricia understand that's just me. <laughs> so for me, share is about strength and about never giving up and about finding something you love, you're passionate about, you, you're good at it or you want to get better at it. You don't give up. Um, so years ago, I've always had a joy of fitness and working out. And years ago, about 10 plus years ago, uh, one of, a close friend of mine has been teaching indoor cycle for years, a decade, and she'd been begging me to take a class with her. And I always told her, no, everybody's sweating and you're in a loud room and it's, I'm not going to do it. I finally gave in and I took my first indoor cycling class 10, maybe 12 years ago. And from the very first class, I loved it. I was hooked with the energy, the music, the feeling of it, the, the power. I loved it. And so I kept taking more classes and more classes. And after a while, my friend had said, you know what? You really, you're good at it. And I can tell you're enjoying it. You should be an instructor. And I laughed. My very first reaction was to laugh. <laughs> I thought, at my age, there's just no way you can start something so radically new. It's a complete departure from everything I've done in my life. And I decided, why not? I like a challenge. So I started training and preparing and eventually certified. And I decided where I wanted to work. And that kind of started my journey. Can you tell us just about, you know, what your first experience was teaching? How did you feel? You know, you knew you loved music. You were good. And she could, you know, the instructor could tell that you had great energy and, and knew that you would be a great asset to teaching cycle. What was it like, like right before your very first class? Like you, you went through certification, you got that job that you wanted. What was it like for you to step up onto the stage and cycle with your class for the first time? My very first class I taught was not at the studio that I originally had set as my goal. I started a little, little slower. And my very first class was at a small studio. And the instructor um, kind of bootlegged me in. <laughs> and she had said, um, can you teach my class? I have something to do. And we didn't ask the manager. And we didn't ask the group fitness manager. I just showed up and taught it. <laughs> so um, after, um, can I be frank? After um, throwing up in the parking lot before <laughs> class. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to get the friend who talked me into being an instructor to take my very first class. I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my entire life. It was a good nervous, but it was a bad nervous too. But once I got up there and got on the bike and got the music going, the nerves were there, but you, you put them behind, you put them down, you squish them down. And I just did it. And it was an empowering feeling of doing something, who you, what you didn't think you could do, and you did it. It was cool. It was totally awesome. Yeah. That, that is amazing. And I, you know, being a group fitness instructor as well, certainly know the feeling of being nervous. And, you know, it, it's, you know, like public speaking is, I, I think it is number one for like the most, I, I'd have to look at the statistic on this, but, you know, it is one of the scariest, most stressful things for people yeah. is it's up there in the top with public speaking and, and putting yourself up there with a microphone and music with a room full of people. And uh, it, it is intimidating. It's, I it remember is. the first times, you know, I taught as well. And 
you know, that feeling of nausea. (laughs) In addition to that, like, okay, your heart rate is already up because you're nervous as hell, but then your heart rate is up because you're cycling. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh God, please don't die up here. <laughs> I remember having those moments, you know? You like, know, the thing, we've talked about it, I think in the past, but you know, you're teaching, you're an instructor, I'm an instructor. And if you're nervous and you already have the heart rate up and then you start feeling that clammy cold feeling and you think, oh my God, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I can't pass out. I'm hooked onto a bike on a podium. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And these guys got to get their workout in. And you know, it's, it's amazing that pressure you put on yourself Well, Adam, I can speak, you know, from being a manager um, at Equinox. For those of you who don't know, you know, Adam's class sold out and sells out in 30 seconds. So that's 45 bikes booked in 30 seconds. And it is incredible, the community that he's built. So you've went from, you know, almost, you know, from puking in the parking lot to, (laughs) you know, group fitness instructor of the year in 2018 and, um, you know, selling your classes out in 30 seconds. So, I mean, you know, your process is incredible. And, and, and the fact that, you know, when did you start teaching? What year was that? So I've been with Equinox for almost nine years. And before that I taught at two smaller studios Right. For about a year and a half, so about 10 and a half, 11 years. Wow. Yeah. But 10 years. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible, Adam. So what strengths do you feel you had to have then to get put yourself out there? Tell us a little bit about that. Strengths. Courage, number one. Yes. Definitely courage. Determination. Mm-hmm. I like to call it, usually this word is used in a, a negative way, but... I actually try to turn around and use it in a positive way. And for me, I talk a lot about tenacity. Yes. And not tenacious in the mean, vindictive way that people usually use the word tenacious or tenacity. But tenacity for me is setting a goal or setting a site, something you want, something you need, and don't give up. Yeah. Just stay tenacious in a loving way. And I think for me, it it has been my driving my driving factor for um, a decade now of just staying tenacious in a happy way. Yes. Yes. And, and that's so interesting that you bring that up. Um, something else I would say is resilience. Resilient. Right? And, um, and I feel like that was, that's something that you've had all along, you know, in your fitness career is that, uh, that ability to put yourself out there and the ability to, um, you know, day in, day out. I mean, there were times you were teaching, what, five, six, you know, classes a week, every, or five, six days a week, every, you yeah. know, and... For a while, seven days a week, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, you know, putting yourself out there and how much joy you bring your classes as well. And that was evident as well, having taken your class and having known the people that come to your class, that sense of community. And, um, and I think that's, that's all part of your tenacity as well, uh, being there and the commitment that you have. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. You have to make a commitment. You have to each day. I've had, kind of had a little philosophy, uh, philosophy for me that maybe works each class, whether it was the very first one or now, you know, five years in at one club, six years in, seven years in, eight years in every single time I start a class. I tell myself, this is not my first class, 
But at any given time, someone can walk through those doors and it might be their very first cycle class they've ever done anywhere, or it might be their very first class with our company or with our brand or at that specific club. And if I don't give it 100 or 110%, I was their very first impression. Their very first experience was me. And if I don't give them everything I can give them, I failed. And I just have to tell myself that even the days where you know, I mean, it's a long time instructor, we have days where it's hard. It is, yes. We might not feel 100% or we have something going on personally or professionally, or you're just tired, or you have a headache, or your stomach hurts, your legs hurt, whatever it is. And we have to, for that hour or whatever it is, go in there with this commitment to give those members everything we have, every time. And we got to do it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That you're, You bring up some uh, great points as you were talking. You know, in order to be the best at something, you know, it all comes down to preparation, right? And what I noticed about you over the years has been how you prepare to teach. I've seen that you have things typed out. You know exactly what's going to happen, where the music is going to you know, change. And you have playlists after playlist after playlist. And you always show up early. So the oh, first impression, you know, you, you were there at the club sometimes before I was as a manager, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. But, uh, you know, that was something else. So tell us a little bit more about your mindset. You talked about giving 110%. You talked about, you know, to be the best at something. What does your preparation look like before you step onto that podium and you teach? So it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of work. And we've all taken classes where an instructor hasn't prepared maybe as much as they should for whatever reason it was. And I, I just know for me, A, being a little bit, I like to call it OCD and control. I like things to go smoothly and I like to have a plan. So when I'm preparing a class, I'd make my playlist and I listen to the music, of course, right then and there. And then I listen to it again. If I make any changes, I listen to it again. I laminate everything. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> we sweat. We sweat as we instructors. Sweat. We sweat a lot. And, and paper does not work. Paper does not work. Paper doesn't work. So I <laughs> laminate everything. So I prepare and I exactly, I listen to the word, to the songs and, and a is there's a natural buildup of a tempo, BPM, you can hear it. Or maybe there's not. I, I want people to know what to do and when to do it and not be surprised and not have it be one of those anything happens at the moment class. I wanted them to feel like, hey, this guy is prepared. He's ready to give me something. And members, they pay each month. They have an expectation. And I don't want anyone to come into my class and feel like I didn't prepare for them. It's really important for me of course, taking it out, taking it away from me, but for them, I want them to feel like they're getting their time's worth and they're getting their money's worth and that they're enjoying themselves. It's really important for me as a person and an instructor for people to feel valued. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really yeah. important. And it, it is. And it, and it really does, you know, comes down to that customer experience, you know, and, um, exactly. and delivering the best. It, can be exhausting, you know, at times. With that, how do you recoup? How do you rest and how do you recharge? How do you do that? So I'm a, I'm a bad rester. <laughs> I'm a bad recouper, a bad recharger. But for me, it's always, I mean, after a class, it's right away taking a hot shower, 
and using a favorite shampoo and a conditioner, <laughs> breathing <laughs> yes. everything in, uh, doing a body scrub, doing a body lotion, self-care. Self-care yeah, for self-care. me is probably one of the best and only ways I really do a ritual or a, a routine of self-care. I, I try to meditate, but sometimes I get in, you know, a couple of minutes in and my mind's already at Target <laughs> <laughs> or it's already what I'm planning on eating or what I want to eat. So for me, recharging is about self-care. It really is the best way that I can get two things done at one time, cleaning, preparing my body, but actually giving myself 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's me. Right. It really works for me. Yeah. Yes. And you have a family and you have to balance that as well. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that's, you know, you have a son who is a teenager. Yes. Oh my God. And so, and I know, which is hard to believe that we could have teenagers, right? Oh. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I know that just balancing that. So those strengths that we talked about, tenacity, your preparation, your dedication, tell us a li- little bit about how you're using that right now in 2020, given the state that we're in the COVID-19. Wow. It's crazy, right? Yes. I mean, it really, I know we heard about it happening in China and then you saw cases in Italy and it was kind of like, I know it happened over probably a week or so, but it really felt like our world changed in 24 hours. It went from you and I being at work teaching to the next day being under quarantine. You know, it was really, it really was hard. It changed everyone's life. And I think the hardest part for me, of course, is has been not working and being in the house, but it's been about the loss of, of human contact yeah. and community and being with people. The masks are really hard for me. You know, I, I, like, I like to smile. Right. I love to hug. I want to give someone a kiss. I like being with people. Mm-hmm. So the hardest part for me for this whole thing has been the loss of our community and our contact. But then using those strengths that we had before about not giving up, about staying tenacious in a good way, Mm -hmm. knowing that we all have really bad times, bad events in our life, hard events to come through. And this is one of them. It's a big speed bump in life, but we're going to go over it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you don't mind, I'll share, like, I don't know if we've gone over this, but there's no doubt in my mind, you're an extrovert. Oh, completely, yeah. Yes, and I am too. And and I recently had my Myers-Briggs done, and um, I am 100% on that that scale all the way to the side of the extrovert, like in every capacity. And it's talking about like how the extroverts are handling this. Like, you know, my young son, Jeffrey, he's an introvert, so he's like living his best life. And, you know... <laughs> But, you know, for people like us who are extroverted and and we're used to being around people, you know, all the time and being refueled, that's how we get refueling. That's Mm -hmm. where we get our energy. So for extroverts in particular, it's really hard to stay motivated. Really hard. Really, really love that you brought that up. You see so much on social media, on the news about people that are isolated and introverted people that are alone. And of course, that's very important because they can, that can lead to depression and, and health issues. But you don't see, I love that you brought up the, the extroverts. They just kind of assume that we're fine. Oh, they're <laughs> fine. They're always happy. Oh, they're fine. It's been really hard. Yeah. I mean, you've taken everything that we value in life, the community, the laughter, the love, the connection, 
being together, and it stopped overnight. So for the people who are a little more on the introverted side or who are better being alone or who are alone, who live alone by choice or not by choice, this wasn't as big a shock for them. You know, you and I was automatically overnight, you took our jobs away, you took our friends away, you took our shopping away, <laughs> you took yes. our restaurants away, everything. It's yes. hard. Yeah. Yes. And I do feel, you know, a lot of empathy for those that do live alone. And I've reached out to them personally, whether they're introverts or extroverts. I've, you know, reached out to them because I know they're alone and how hard that must be. I mean, in my household, you know, I've got my two cats, the dog, and then I also have a family of four. So, I mean, there's, there are people and animals around mm-hmm. all of the time. And, um, Even and if we it, don't want it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had to kick my cat out just now. So, but, you know, it's one of those things where there is a level of connection in my house with my family. And I do feel that closeness. But for those that are alone, I think making sure we reach out to them is really important as well. It is. It is important. Yeah. So, for an action item, item for our audience, you know, like I, had mentioned this before, you know, I think it's great that we all, you know, take that time today to to reach out. My mom is alone and I make sure to reach out to her on a daily basis just to do a check-in. So I, you know, an action item for our audience today would be to reach out to those. And then mm-hmm. for those extroverts, you know, just I want you to have just a little bit more empathy, you know. <laughs> for the extroverts that are really struggling. <laughs> This is where this is extroverts make podcasts. This is yeah. what happens. <laughs> all right. So let's get to the good stuff. All right. Actually, I take that back. Everything that Adam has has said has been amazing stuff, but I know he's chomping at the big bit to talk about all things 80s. So where should we begin? Let's talk about number one, your favorite clothing style trend from the 80s? Well, well, there were a lot, as you and I know, and I think Patricia had probably and I had several going on at the same time. But my all-time favorite was, it was Don Johnson from Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. Obsessed. I had the linen blazer in the pastel colors. I know I had a peach, even though it's not one of my favorite colors. I had peach, seafoam green, baby blue, I think. I had the shirt under it. I had the white pants that you rolled up at the bottom, the loafers, no socks, of course. It was, uh, it was the look. It was the Don Johnson Miami Vice was to me like the coolest look that I could put together in the 80s. Amazing. And such a good look. And I can totally see you in that, you know? Yeah. Um, totally. I'm wearing it now. You just can't see it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You showed up like Don Johnson. So let's also talk about, since you are in the skincare makeup industry, and I know you've got a um, a whole Facebook page that is, what is it, Product Whores? Product Whores. So, so he is uh, 100% into products. So let's talk about products from the 80s. Um, what was your favorite hair product from the 1980s? It was... Too, because I had you know I had to make my flock of seagulls hair that was very big. <laughs> yes, so it was Dep Gel. It came in a big tub. Oh wow! Dep. I think it used to be called probably Dippity Doo years ago, but it was called Dep. And then LA Looks hairspray. Oh yes, I remember LA, LA Looks. LA Looks, yeah. Yes. Hard, stiff. Took three shampoos to remove it. 
Classic. So my favorite, okay, so my very favorite hairspray, you know, obviously Aquanet is going to give you the most volume, right? But mink, can we talk about the smell? The smell. Oh, you can still find it if you look hard enough. Really? It's amazing. Oh my gosh. It had the best smell. Cause I remember there was a teenager up the street and she, you know, she was a little older than I was. And I remember I'd go over to her house and she'd let me use her mink hairspray. And it was like the best day ever. ever. You know? It was like perfume. It would be with you all day. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So speaking of what were your favorite scents of the 1980s? Ooh, so I've never forget. I have always loved fragrance. I have. I will. We won't talk about how many I have because I would most likely be committed. But my fragrance love began actually in the seventies. My mom always wore fragrance. My dad, my grandma, my grandpa, my aunt, my uncles, everyone I know in my family always wore fragrance. So I started wearing it almost daily in the mid eighties. Even elementary school, I wore fragrance to school every day. And my very first love was my, I never forget, my aunt bought it for me, was Calvin Klein Obsession. Oh, yeah. It was warm. The women's came out in 85, I believe. The men's came out a little bit later. And we were at, I think it was Robinson's May or the May Company before it became Macy's. And my aunt surprised me with my first bottle of it. And I still have some, not the same bottle, but it's warm and it's spicy and it was unlike anything that ever had been on the market before. And so when I think of an 80s fragrance, men or women, it's obsession. Very good. Yeah. I I remember. Well, I was obsessed with Ginate. (gasps) Ginate. I had to have that after bath splash and I had the powder puff. And, uh, you know, if you were in the bathroom right after me, uh, there is no doubt you walked around also smelling like uh, Ginate. <laughs> and if you had that bath puff, it was on your feet into the hallway. <laughs> exactly. I took after bath splash to a whole new level. Um, <laughs> I don't half ass anything, even my yeah. Ginate. But that was uh, that was my favorite favorite fragrance. That's so funny. Right. Ginate is actually a really. It came out, I believe, in 1935 or 36. So it's been oh, around. It did. So it really for a was while, in yeah. the 80s. Just as really, in 70s and 80s, it had a huge resurgence in popularity. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What about the uh, the perfume Charlie? My grandmother wore it. Oh, and, my mom used to wear Charlie. And I'm like, I think that was the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, late early 80s. I think. Yeah. Charlie was really popular. Yeah. I like it was very, it was clean and fresh and it was very popular time because it was kind of unlike other women's fragrances where it was very kind of an invigorating smell and it was a fragrance that a woman could buy herself. She didn't yeah. have to rely on a husband or a boyfriend right. to buy it. She could go and buy her own bottle of Charlie. And so my and my grandmother, you know, she was from the uh, Boston area, so she would call it Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So what about uh, any makeup lines that you enjoyed from the 80s? They're no longer. I mean, my favorite was actually two brands that are unfortunately long gone. I believe they sell in other parts of the world, but not in the U.S. Uh, Max Factor. Oh, yeah. Which is a really old brand that came out in the 20s from Mr. Max Factor. And Ultima 2, if you remember Ultima 2. Oh, yeah. I remember I think Ultima Lauren II. Hutton was their, their spokeswoman for years. Oh, wow. And Ultima 2 was a... Um, a really great, it was, it kind of bridged the, it, it bridged the, the divide between a drugstore brand and a department store brand. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah. 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 And I remember Max Factor. That was really popular. Factor, yeah. 
Yes, yes. Really popular. Very good. Well, Adam, I just can't tell you, you know, and thank you enough for for being here today and number one, sharing your story and um, and then how you're, you continue to use those same strengths that you learned then. And of course, bringing Cher into the picture with um, If I Could Turn Back Time, such an amazing song. Amazing so song. I encourage all of our uh, audience today to definitely get on Spotify, our iTunes, and uh, listen to that song on repeat, Dance Around. Enjoy. Yes, exactly. Well, thanks again uh, for tuning in, uh, where everything we ever needed to know, we learned from an 80s song. Adam, how do we get a hold of you on, um, is that open? Is that uh, Facebook page uh, open? Yeah, so we have um, Facebook page, you'll see it at Adam Johansson, and at Instagram, it's at Adam C. Johansson. Adam C. Johansson, and that's how they can get uh, a hold of you. Yeah. Very perfect. good. And www.patriciafryberg.com. Instagram, uh, Patricia Freiberg. Thank you guys and have a wonderful day. And thank you, uh, Adam. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.